Welcome to episode 6 of the Welding Codex. This is a podcast for those who want to learn more about the technical side of welding. We're going to talk philosophy of welding, welding codes, welder training, welding defects, and a number of welding-related technical topics. In this episode, Ohio State graduate welding engineer extraordinaire Peter Kinney, who's a professional engineer in a CWI, and me, Gary Pace, another professional engineer in CWI, continue our deep dive and slog through AWS D1.1 welding code. Due to the material being covered, we didn't feel it would do justice to just blast through the clause on qualification and do a 20-minute episode and call it good. So the conversation got pretty in-depth, which means that we had some excruciating detail and we had enough material for multiple episodes. This episode is the first part of the episode co- of the number of episodes covering qualification. So we will dive into part A, general requirements. Okay, so we're going to talk about clause 4, qualification. In our previous ones, we talked about pre-qualification of WPSs and what it takes to pre-qualify a WPS. Now we're going to talk about qualification for AWS D1.1. We're just going to go through this. I'm going to hit the paragraphs in here that I think are maybe a little more noteworthy of having a chat about and give you my version of how things work or how I've seen it work in the past. But we're going to talk about qualification, talk about some of the paragraphs in here, and then the general overall scope of Clause 4 and then how it ties into AWS D1.1. Parts of a welding program. I'm going to kind of back up before we go forward. So almost every welding program, you're going to need a few documents. You're going to need welding procedure specifications, WPSs. You're going to need welding procedure qualification records, which is a PQR. PQRs support the WPS. And you're going to need welding performance qualification records, which are the documents that qualify your welders. That's your paperwork that says, yeah, this welder did this test and he can run this filler material in this position and make a deposit sound weld metal. So this is the backbone of your welding program. You're probably going to need some filler metal control procedures, some purchasing procedures and whatever. But for a solid welding program, you're going to need at least these three and some other documentation. WPS, a welding procedure specification, is a qualified instruction on how to complete the weld. This is basically the recipe. This is the recipe you're giving the welder on how to make the weld. A PQR is a procedure qualification record. It's the record of the welding parameters and test results that were utilized to make a test plate where you did some bend tests and you did some tensile tests, and whatever other testing that you're going to need to support your WPS. This is a written document that has lab test reports, you know, that you did the bend test, that you did the tensile tests, and all that stuff. A WPQ is a welder performance qualification. Um, This is a record of the weld test results in the range of approval. This says that the welder can weld in a certain position with a certain filler metal. You know, he's running open route, 6G pipe, whatever he's got going on. That's This is the documentation for the, the welder that says your welders are qualified. 
why procedure qualification is required. The purpose of a welding procedure, a W specification, a WPS, and procedure qualification record is to determine that the welding operation proposed for fabrication are capable of producing welds with required properties for intended applications, assuming that the welder performing the welding procedure qualification test is a skilled workman. A procedure qualification test is used to establish the properties of the weldment and not the skill of the welder. So this is just a fancy way of saying the WPS is the recipe and the PQR is the test documentation that we used to support that this is a solid procedure or method for joining weld metal A to weld metal B and using a filler metal. The one I always use with some of my students is, you know, if we were, and this is an extreme example, that if we were welding plywood to cardboard and using bubble gum, we would document that we're welding the plywood to the cardboard and we're using bubble gum, you know, to weld it together. And we would put this together and then we would, or pull some tensile tests and do some bend tests on it. And we would document that our plywood to cardboard using bubble gum was a procedure that met the criteria for whatever we were building, the mechanical criteria. So that's what a procedure qualification test or record is, PQR. Then we would use that to write our WPS, the weld procedure specification, which is the recipe. And then we would, this is where we would tell the welder, okay, you're going to use this kind of cardboard and this kind of um, plywood and you're going to use this specific brand of bubble gum. You can only use grape bubble gum. You can't use the pink stuff. And the welder is going to follow that recipe making these welds with plywood, cardboard, and bubble gum. Kind of an outlandish way to think about it, but it's extreme, but that's what I got for you. Welding procedure specification is a required document for all code welding. Your customer either directly or indirectly specifies to what code your company must qualify. The WPS outlines all of the parameters required to perform your welding operation. In short, the WPS is the recipe for welding operations. It describes the welding process or processes used, the base materials used, the joint design and geometry, gases and flow rates, welding position, and includes all the process conditions and variables. Each code has a recommended format. That's what a welding procedure specification is. It's whatever code you're making your structure or component to is going to specify what needs to be into your WPS. Procedure qualification record, PQR, is the document that qualifies the welding procedure specification. In order to qualify your WPS, a procedure qualification plate is welded to the code requirements. The actual test parameters are recorded at the time of welding to ensure the WPS was being followed. So you kind of have a pre-WPS. A lot of companies will have you do a pre-WPS, a PWPS, where you tell them what you're going to do before you do it so they can say, nah, this probably isn't going to work. And this is with qualification. The PQR combines all the information of the WPS and adds the test results to provide a complete document that certifies the welding specification. Tells everybody what we did, how we did it, when we did it, the date, time, everything. This document is also required by all codes unless you are qualifying under 
the American Welding Society specifications. Under certain conditions, the WPS may be considered pre-qualified in which the PQR is not required. Clause 4, Qualification, 4.1, Scope. The requirements for qualification of testing of welding procedure specifications and welding personnel are described as follows. So this is broken down into four different parts. We got part A, which is general requirements. This is what this is for both WPSs and personnel. Part B is just for welding procedure specifications, qualification. This is just for WPSs that are not part of Clause 3, which is pre-qualification. And then we're going to have Part C, which is performance qualification, which is qualifying the people. And then you got Part D, which is the requirements for CVN testing, impact testing, when specified by contract document. So we're going to do a slow grind through Clause 4. So let's just jump in. General, 4.2. The requirements for qualification testing of WPSs and welding personnel, defined as welders, welding operators, and tack welders, are described in this section. 4.2.1. Welding procedure specifications, a WPS, except for pre-qualified WPSs conforming to the requirements of Clause 3, a WPS for use in production welding shall be qualified in conformance with Clause 4, Part B. Properly documented evidence of previous WPS qualifications may be used. This is telling us general requirements. Um, this, this covers the qualification testing of WPSs and people. That's what Clause 4 is. This isn't for design. It isn't for anything else. It isn't for inspection. It is just for qualification of welders, welding operators, tack welders. I just kind of lump all those under welders. And WPSs. That's it. That's the scope of this clause, chapter, area of the code. So then we have 4211, qualification responsibility. Each manufacturer or contractor shall conduct these tests required to this code to qualify the WPS. Properly documented WPSs qualified under the provisions of this code by a company that later has a name change due to voluntary action or consolidation with a parent company may utilize the new name on its WPS documents while maintaining the supporting PQR qualification records with the old company name. Because some of these companies have been around for 50 years or 60 years and they get bought up. But let's say you have an old WPS. You buy a company that's got some WPSs from back in the day. Um, you can use their, you can incorporate their WPS is into your work. The PQRs stay the same. You just have to have paperwork that says this is how we started it. You don't do anything with the PQRs, but the WPSs, you just write a new revision, put the new name on it, reference the old PQR, and you're ready to go. 4.2.1.2 WPS qualification to other standards. The acceptability of qualification to other standards is the engineer's responsibility to be exercised based on either the specific structure or service conditions, or both. AWS B 2.1 XXXX series on standard welding procedure specifications may in this manner be accepted for use in this code. So the AWS B 2.1 series is just some WPSs that have been qualified by the American Welding Society, and I'm not exactly sure how it works, 
but you can buy a license to use their um, these welding procedures and I think you have to do some kind of testing or make a mock-up and you can use them for this code or if you have a procedure that was qualified let's say to ASME section 9 and you welded base materials that you know you're going to use on this job and the engineer says yeah sure go with it I it, it looks like it's been done well you know I'll, I'll accept these um, WPS's PQR's and the WPS's look good I'll accept them so that can be done I've worked on a couple of jobs where we got accepted a ASME section 9 it was a 7018 procedure and it was welding some material that wasn't listed in AWS table 3.1 so the engineer looked at it and it was a garden variety type of carbon steel and they said yeah we you can use this not a problem the engineer this gets back to the engineer of record who's designing whatever they have a lot of power in this code so they can say yeah no they just have to document it and let you know why they were doing it well they don't even have to let you know why they just say I'm the engineer we're doing it I've done the calculations and then you move on but yeah the engineer has a lot of power and if they want to they can um, accept qualifications to other codes and standards CVN test requirements when required by a contract document CVN test shall be included in the WPS qualification the CVN tests requirements and procedures shall be in conformance with the provisions of Part D of this section or as specified in the contract documents. So this code doesn't really call out when you need impact testing, the CVN tests, but it says if you're going to do it, then you've got to follow these rules. That's all that's telling you. So the engineer and wherever you're building this, they're going to decide if you need impact testing or not. Performance qualification of welding personnel. Welders, welding operators, and tack welders to be employed to weld under this code and using the shielded arc welding, SMAW, SAW, GMAW, GTAW, flux cord arc welding, electro slag, or electro gas processes shall have been qualified by the applicable tests as described in Part C of this section. So that means we're just got to go to part C and part C is what covers welding personnel. So that's one of the keys to this code is not getting reading something and then thinking, oh God, I got to do that. You got to stay in your swim lanes. So that's why they have these things broken out into part A, part B, part C, part D, right? So that you stay in your swim lanes. That's where I've gotten, you talk to some people and they're like, Oh, you need to do this, this, and this. And it's like, no, that doesn't even pertain to what the hell we're doing. That is outside the scope. That's an, an, another swim lane. No, we're talking about this specifically. This specific item, and that's it. Something to keep in mind going forward is that you got to keep, stay in your swim lane. Keep focused on, you know, hey, part A is this. I'm just going to do this. I, I read something in another part of this chapter that doesn't pertain. No, I'm not going to get sidetracked by that. I'm going to stay in this area in this swim lane. Previous performance qualification. Previous performance qualification tests of welders, welding operators, and tack welders that are properly documented are acceptable with the approval of the engineer. The acceptability of performance qualification to other standards is the engineer's responsibility 
to be exercised based upon the specific structure or service conditions or both. So I've accepted in the past, I've accepted um, ASME Section 9 perce- uh, personnel qualifications. The guy can weld with 7018 and a 6G position. They've got it documented. All right, I'm going to accept that. The individual is a, has got flux core certs to ASME Section 9. I'm going to accept those. There's some overlap, and that's why they built this in there. So, all right, I don't have to go give this guy 23 different performance qualifications. The guy can do it. It saves companies money. And it's the engineer. if the engineer wants to be a stickler for it and say, nope, I'm not accepting this, they can. Or they can look at it and say, yeah, the guy can run you know, gas metal arc welding with ER70S2. All right, bring him on. He can, we'll accept that. So once again, the engineer's got some superpowers that they can utilize. It's up to them if they want to accept previous performance qualification records. Some qualifications done to another code. So qualification responsibility. Each manufacturer or contractor shall be responsible for the qualification of welders, welding operators, and tack welders. Whether the qualification is conducted by the manufacturer, contractor, or an independent testing agency. So the manufacturer or contractor is responsible. You're you're responsible no matter who does the qualification. If you send your guys down to an independent lab, there's a bunch of those here in Houston, um, you know, where I can send my guy over and, all right, give this guy, you know, 7018 on one-inch plate, vertical up, and horizontal. Let me know how he does. They've done the testing, but I'm responsible. My company, my organization is responsible for the qualification. And, and we've got options. We, I could qualify them in-house. I can have an independent agency qualify it. But I am responsible for getting my welders qualified. And that, it gives me a couple of different avenues to do that. 423 period of effectiveness. Okay, so when we give a welder a qualification test, his qualification remains in effect indefinitely unless the welder is not engaged in a given process of welding for which the welder or welding operator is qualified for a period exceeding six months, or there is some specific reason to question a welder or welding operator's ability. Pete. What do you got for me on this? Um, it's basically the same in uh, the 2020 code. And I know in one of our earlier podcasts, we talked about how, like welding programs and whatnot. And neither Gary or, or I are, are huge fans of them. But this is where they can come in handy. Like they have, they can track continuity. They can send you email reminders. That's where, uh, something a little more sophisticated than a calendar uh, on your outlook or on your hanging up on your wall can be handy is keeping track of when you got to make sure people have their due dates or you have enough production or you've logged in production information to where you are in a defendable position that they have uh, done qualified work. One uh, question, uh, that comes up is what what do you have to log to prove that your welder has been been using the process for me the way i did it previous jobs is i would do every four months 
And I would just walk around in that four months. I would walk around. Okay. I saw this guy welding with flux core. I saw this guy welding with sub arc. I saw this guy. And I had a list, a continuity list of who was qualified for what processes. And then I just walk around and write it down. And then I'd whittle it down to, okay, this guy hasn't run TIG welding in, in four months. I haven't seen him do any TIG. So I'd set up a TIG torch somewhere on the site and I'd have everybody that hadn't TIG welded cycle through there, make a small TIG weld. Yep. I'd fill out the paperwork for them. They're covered. So that was my way of um, addressing it. And on the second one there, you can pull somebody's certs, not that it happens very often, but if there's some specific reason to question a welding or welding operator's ability, and then it says C424. Well, for me, I had a welder years ago and he was approaching retirement and he couldn't see very well anymore to really make high quality welds. And I went to the general foreman. I went to his foreman and the general foreman and said, hey, you need to get him in a situation where his welds aren't going to be inspected. And there was a lot of rebar on that site, a lot of rebar being welded and welds that were done on embeds that didn't weld and rebar to the back of embeds. So that didn't need to be inspected. I'm like, you guys got to find him a situation because I'll pull his certs. Because he's up there chewing up welds and depositing weld metal. And it is not even close to how he did it a couple years ago. And his his eyesight was going or whatever the situation is. And they said, all right. And they were actually kind of thankful that I handled it like that. I didn't end up pulling his certs. But they ended up moving him to a situation where he was making welds that didn't need to be inspected by me or the QC entity on the site. That's that's a an easy way of doing it. Um... I've done for a lot of subsea equipment to be defendable and not have to requalify welders. What I would do is welds that were x-rayed and we had a, it was basically a hundred percent. So I would pull x-ray shots and it would list the welder's name, the joint and the WPS. And there I could easily link a process and a person and a date with a defendable piece of evidence uh, that showed they made good welds. While it's a very expensive route, it was very time-consuming to put all that together sometimes and to hunt down people and hunt down x-rays for them. But that's what uh, I had to do at one one location. But you're right, the walking around, noting down who has done what. Um, I've also seen uh, places do little books where the welders themselves have filled them in, and then you just collect the little books over whatever time period and that's how you can uh, look through them and be like, you're right, every four months, so you have two months to be able to catch them up to speed is is a, is a real good way of doing it as well. Common requirements for WPSs and welding personnel performance qualifications. 431, qualification to earlier additions. Qualifications which were performed to and met the requirements of earlier editions of AWS D1.1 or AWS D1.0, or AWS 2.0, while those additions were in effect, are valid and may be used. The use of earlier additions shall be prohibited for new qualifications in lieu of the current additions, unless the specific earlier additions is specified in the contract documents. So if you have a weld procedure that was qualified to the 1983 version of AWS, D1.1, you get to keep that procedure qualification. 
But a lot of stuff has changed since then, I am sure. So you can't go back to the 1980 code. You can't go back and say, well, I'm going to qualify my welders to that code edition. No, it's grandfathered in, but you can't go back to it unless it says so in the contract documents. So anything done to a previous version of the code, it's good. We're not going to undo that and make you redo everything. But you can't go back and use a cherry pick and use an a earlier version of the code to do work in the you know 2019 you know using a 1987 version of the code or whatever year it was printed in i don't know they print them in various years so but that be, that's how the rules work so anything in the past that was done in the past you can use it now you just can't go back and use older old editions of the code to qualify either people or um WPSs. All welds shall be classified as flat, horizontal, vertical, or overhead in conformance with the definitions shown in Figure 4142 and 9.12.1. Test assembly positions are shown in. So then they've got these groove and fillet weld. You know, um, shows you the fillet weld and groove weld uh, positions. So you know it's. It, Everything is in the codes, whether you're qualifying people or procedures, everything has a position. So you have to, you know, it's just the language. So that's what this one's saying. It's just saying everything that we do is in a position, and these are the positions, and these how we are going to refer to these positions. 4.3.3, records. Records of the test results shall be kept by the manufacturer or contractor and shall be made available to those authorized to examine them. That's just telling you you're living in adult world. You got to have records. You can't just give your guys a weld test and say, oh yeah, Fred over there, I gave him a test six months ago, but didn't keep any results. I'm just telling you he passed. This is telling you it's big. It's you're playing in the big end of the pool. You got to write things down on paper. Get a filing cabinet. Keep some documentation like grown-ups do. You know, and I, I'm kind of sarcastic there, but it's also the truth. Because I think you run across some places that, all right, we can weld, but we don't do documentation. Anyways, you got to keep records. Okay, so that wraps up Part A General Requirements, which outlines the documentation and some of the paperwork requirements that are needed for AWSD 1.1. All this paperwork is a little bit cumbersome at times, or it seems like it is, but it's a necessary evil, and it allows for traceability in all the work that is performed under this code. While Pete and I were having this conversation, it was pretty in-depth and drug on for a while, so we had to cut it into four separate digestible episodes. So this is one's going to end now. The next installment will cover Part B, Welding Procedure Specification Qualification. Thanks for listening. Hope this podcast was worth listening to. We're going to have more content coming out. Also, if you want to shoot me an email, gpacex at gmail.com. Give me some ideas or maybe there's some questions that you'd like me and Pete or me and Joel to answer in regards to welding, welding codes, filler material, or any other material joining question that you might think we have a shot in hell of answering. Anyways, thanks for listening. Take care. Pace out. Thanks for listening. Hope this podcast 
was worth listening to. We're going to have more content coming out. Also, if you want to shoot me an email, gpacex at gmail.com. Give me some ideas or maybe there's some questions that you'd like me and Pete or me and Joel to answer in regards to welding, welding codes, filler material, or any other material joining question that you might think we have a shot in hell of answering. Anyways, thanks for listening. Take care. Pace out.